0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, January 15th. And on today's podcast, we are doing another episode of Check Ball, where I am joined by some of my favorite people to just talk NBA basketball with and go through the most prevalent topics of the week. Just to name a few before we get this started, we got to talk about the whole Jerry Krause widow incident. We got to talk about the Spolstra extension. I mean, $15 million a year over eight seasons. How much is that worth in comparison to some of the players that he coaches? We might have to talk about the Wizards' Pistons trade. We might just skip that one. Did you see the card of LeBron and Bronny both being on it with their signatures? How much would you pay for that piece of memorabilia? We will get into that. We got some legendary post-game rants happening this last week. It is that time of the year where coaches take on a hot mic in the post-game presser, whether that's Mike Brown with the video clips or Darko Rajankovic with the box score of the free throw discrepancy. We will get into all of that before I get started. Let me remind everyone to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening. Or if you are watching this live on Twitter or YouTube to make sure you engage on those platforms as well. And if you like my content and want access to all of my gambling picks, my write-ups, my podcast links, my free weekly giveaways, and so much more, go sign up for the fiddlespicks.substack.com free gambling newsletter. Let's get this thing going. I'm the type to get shit done, you the type to observe March is on my
1: speakers, but today's November 23rd Got something loud in the blunt, yeah, I do not say what I want, yeah Probably somewhere sunny in 10, foreign women in the sun, yeah
0: That's all that I need, that's all that I need, that's all that I need All right, everyone. Hello. Welcome in. Like I said, today is week two of our new check ball series, where I am joined by some of my favorite people to talk NBA basketball with. And joining me today, someone who gets a new title every single time he comes on the pod. Sometimes it's a promotion. Sometimes it's a demotion. But today he is our lead pundit for all things NBA basketball. Nice. His name is Austin Vernon. We call him A.V. Welcome back, A.V. How you doing, brother?
2: I'm doing well. I'm proud to get a promotion here. Get, glad to have the titles back rolling. Um, I forget how hard your intro goes every time. I'm like distracted by that song, but it it banks. It
0: also, there's there's zero prep to that. I mean, yeah, I can literally click record and go. I don't even know what I'm going to say before I start. I
2: was going to say, people don't realize you're. you're it's, it's free flow and it's one and done. Like, I, I always kind of thought on these podcasts, I was like, I wonder how many takes they do. And like, I'm kind of thinking most people do it like you do. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to talk. This is great.
0: You had the privilege of seeing me in person recently and watching me on an actual microphone live in front of people. So I think you were able to understand that I got some chops yeah, when. I'm talking. Yeah,
2: I I know why you brought this up because I was I was just at Mike's brother's wedding, an awesome event. Um, uh, Mike's brother is one of my best friends growing up, and now Mike is one of my best friends too. And, you know, everyone gave great speeches. You know, you got you got best friends, moms, dad, all that. Mike comes on. He has no no phone, nothing written, and he just grabs the mic like it's a stand up comedy show. He's just like calling people out from the crowd, telling old stories. I I think of myself as, like, pretty comfortable in those situations. And, yeah, it wasn't close. Mike uh, Mike stole the show. It was impressive.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about basketball because that's what we're here to do today. AV, I just quickly previewed the list of topics. I'll say them again real quick. Jerry Krause's widow and wife moment on the court crying. Spolstra getting the bag $15 a year. The Wizards and Pistons dealing Wizards and Pistons players. This LeBron James and Bronny dual-signed card, and the post-game rants. Where would you like to start today's show? I
2: I want to start with the weird Jerry and Thelma Kraus moment, almost because it's like a nice segue into talking about basketball. Because is it really basketball? Like any time that you're gonna honor the the '95 Bulls and Mike and Scotty aren't there. And instead you have, you know, some old white lady on stage named Thelma. I I feel like we're missing what's going on here with with the Bulls and that franchise and that team. Um, That that was a shit show. I I can't believe they even had the event without Mike and Scotty. I can't believe they're so blind to the fact that both Jerry's uh, Reinsdorf and are are so hated. It's Again, like I, I know that the, the franchise is a mess right now, and a lot of that is Lonzo Ball's injury, and they couldn't do anything about that. But this is just another example of the Bulls franchise, a franchise that could be, should be, a top four or five franchise in the NBA, just embarrassing themselves again.
0: So I'll reiterate this. I talk about this anytime Michael Jordan comes up. I didn't watch enough basketball to understand hoop during the Jordan era, so I don't even bother – comparing Jordan and LeBron or getting too knee-deep into the stories of that time, it seems very clear that the reason why the Krause-Widow incident happened is because of that Last Dance movie and how negatively the picture is portrayed of him. More than the actual stories that have come out. And what I've realized, A.V., is... Because this incident happened, we've almost gone 180 the other way where we're actually remembering some of the good moments of Krauss and the things he did do for Chicago because it's always – we're coming back at it like, wait, 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 wait. We need to pump the brakes on the last dance writing the narrative of this GM's career, and this booing incident was a terrible, like, kind of grotesque moment of fandom. So – let's rewrite it let's revisit some of the positive things he did and i've actually seen a lot of good things about krauss in the last you know few days that i'd never seen before
2: look and and i and i appreciate that the chicago bulls organization has spent some money in pr to make that happen as they should after this disaster of an event but You know, for for everyone like me, who's, you know, 34 plus, we remember Jerry being a problem. And for everyone like you, we saw The Last Dance and we know that he was literally a villain in that. Like you said, he might have had two whole episodes where he was the villain. And anytime you have the undisputed best player of all time on your team and you think that you're the reason that you're winning and that you could duplicate that just as much without him. Even if you're right, that's such a bad attitude to take. It's like if you don't know that Jordan is the hero in your city and putting yourself on the other side of the table as him is going to make you the enemy, then you don't have good people skills. I, I don't know what else to tell you here. I, I I did feel bad for his wife. Those were real tears. <laughs> if, if, I watched the video before before we came on again. She was really crying. You know, There, there are hands coming on her shoulder to console her those are real tears she shouldn't have been up there in the first place either you're honoring the 95 bulls and it's mike and scotty and it's sick or <laughs> i'm looking at this picture ever now i mean look that's like every aunt at every funeral i've ever been to i know that face that's it's like i'm, I'm sorry lady like i don't know what to tell you they should have they should have protected you better and i'm sorry for laughing right now
0: <laughs> we have all seen that face before i think that's a great call Stepping away from the Bulls, onto another more successful team. The Miami Heat just signed Eric Spolstra to an extension. Eight years, $120 million. So this coach's salary comes in as the biggest coach's contract we've ever seen in terms of total value. It is second most that we've ever seen in terms of average annual value, only behind Popovich's recent extension. Of course, Monty reset the coach's market just a few months ago. Just like we're seeing in, in essentially any of these sports contract markets, the next guy always sets the bar. So now that's Spolstra at 15 million per, uh, Av, a few things that I noticed. Yeah. One is they inked this extension shortly after the Spolstra <laughs> divorce, and I yeah. think it has to be mentioned or or before this. I don't know if the Spolstra divorce was finalized or it's news or it's just coming to, to light that it's going to happen. I don't know if the paperwork's been finalized, but I do know that there's been a lot of funny uh, Twitter talk, and NBA Twitter is one of the greatest places in the world. Fantastic yep. community. A lot of heat culture talking about getting their guys back and giving Spolstra the extension post-divorce so that half that money doesn't go to Nikki Spolstra. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
2: funny to me because when I think of – Spolstra, I sort of think as this soft-spoken video coordinator who knows the game so well and worked his way up. But like on paper, this is the dude that married the Miami Heat cheerleader, divorced talk her, and then about signed that the day. big, you know, and then, and then signed the big-ass extension as soon as that wrapped up. So look, I, I, I don't think you can deny that uh, that these are beyond coincidence. I I still don't think it hurts his reputation i don't think people care so as much about coaches personal lives until they become Ime doka level but you tell me
0: should we talk about the 18 year old instance like how different is the social situation than is it gross do we even want to just skip this conversation altogether i mean we literally have josh giddy in a similar situation it seems like the girl might have been 17 when he was like or 16 when okay. he was like 19 and i understand that's not allowed it's kind of gross but they're pretty close in age. Spolstra's was, I think he was 25 when she was 18 and they started dating and then eventually got married and she was a Miami heat dancer at the age of 18. Uh, certainly it's legal. I think what we've learned in the, uh, giddy is that it was legal in the States that it happened, but similarly, Uh, a little little bit, (laughs) a little bit icky and gross. I I
2: mean, I think it's, I'm sorry to say this and I know the giddy situation is kind of, uh, blown over i think it's worse than the giddy situation in the giddy situation you know he's a kid 1920 she's a kid 17 and it's probably messed up and i don't know all the details and you should definitely follow the laws and not get with people younger than you but the power dynamic when you're a 25 year old coach and they're an 18 year old or younger cheerleader working for your team has to be a bigger power imbalance than whatever was happening with giddy and uh who's a kid and, and
0: the girl Does the NBA bear any responsibility for, or the Miami Heat organization for putting a, at the time, an 18 year old dancer, and these NBA dancers in the past were very sexualized. Yeah. Uh, they're, They're less so sexualized now. You could clearly tell what the dancers are wearing and how they do their acts. It is less no clothes and on the on the dance floor I used to work for the Brooklyn Nets and we used to get letters from inmates in prison asking for the 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 picture of the dance team or the calendar of the dance team and who knows I mean I think we all know what inmates were going to do with a catalog of (laughs) good-looking women in pictures uh and I think that we've seen a more concerted effort to tone down the sexualization of it but I mean yeah there has to be some bearing of responsibility on the Miami Heat.
2: Strongly agree. Look, and if she was, you know, an adult at the time and and making her own decisions, then I, I'll stay out of this a little for the most part. But the biggest thing in these situations is the power imbalance. And it's the organization that kind of creates those rules and, and makes people feel comfortable or uncomfortable in those situations. I will say I couldn't agree more how it's better now, but how weird it's been over the years that we sort of have these these cheerleaders and it's so sexualized and I can remember like going to the games with like my dad and I'm like 15 and all of a sudden like the game stops and there's just a bunch of like half naked women there and we're all sort of like looking in that direction it's awkward it's uncomfortable I I get that it's from a bygone era and I might not get it in the same way but it's it's so weird like I I I won't blow him up but one of my richest friends had a a bar mitzvah when we were younger and the Nick city dancers came and it was the biggest deal. And everyone's getting pictures with the girls and you know, it's like little five foot 13 year old boys with like, (laughs)
0: <laughs> these cheerleaders
2: and, with their titties everyone, their face and it's like, what is going on? What and everyone so
0: there is saying, like, I want a picture with the hot chicks.
2: They're all like, I literally just want a picture with the hottest one. The dads are there being like, this is hilarious. He's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's like, maybe we don't need cheerleaders anymore at all. I mean, like, this this
0: is weird. I would say, let's see how much longer, like, ring girls in boxing lasts. Yeah, I mean, that that is still not toned down
2: sexual right (laughs) yeah
0: that's uh in terms of power dynamics which we're talking about let's apply this over to spolster getting 15 million a year av i have a list right here of some of the players that are getting average annual salaries of around 15 this Uh, ranks the first number that starts with a 15 is ranked 102nd most expensive contract in the nba so there are at yeah. least, I, I mean, all right, let's assume Spolstra is getting 15 flat per year. There are 109 players making more money than Eric Spolstra. Any thoughts on that off the bat? What's more important, uh, the player or the coach? It's it is. I'm,
2: I'm I love the way you break it down like this, and I can see all the salaries because there's no way that any one of these 15 million dollar players affects winning as much as Spo. It's not even close. I, and and I know that you know Monty makes a similar amount, and you could make an argument that. You know, Monty versus Lou Dort is kind of a similar uh, maybe plus minus in the wins category. Give me Dort. <laughs> there, get, 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 I think that's fair. There's no way. there's no way that you give me the Miami heat roster we have today. and you say, do you have a better chance of making a deep playoff run with Lou Dort or Spo as your coach? it's It's
0: not even close. he he's he's such a value add. All right, I'm gonna start working my way up the list to do more expensive players, of course. These contracts and salaries are not a smooth sailing scale of skill and talent and impact equals how much you're getting paid, but they are a good rough generalization. Uh, would you rather have Spo at 15 million or Lori Markkanen at 17,2? Uh,
2: so, so that's literally the only person on this entire list if people are watching right now. Who you would take over Spo? Not only is Markin a star that you build around, but that's an incredible contract for him. He's a max player, obviously. Uh, so yeah, for it's it. It may have a bigger effect on certain teams where you could change the culture with someone like Spo. But it's still a player's game. I I, I think Spo has a disproportionately big impact for a coach because of what he does with the culture there, because of what he knows how to do in the playoffs. Um, and I still take Marken over him. But um, I looked at everyone else on the list here. I mean, you're up into the 19s and 20s now. So at 19.2 is Buddy healed, Give me Spo. Podal at 19.5. Give me Spo. Joe Harris. That's hilarious. 20 million. Give me Spo. Jared Allen. Okay. But I. Yeah, it depends on the situation. Probably still give me Spo. And then there's almost no one on this list who, who has a bigger impact um, than Spo. Draymond so- was
0: just signed to the four years, 100 million this offseason. Draymond or Spo?
2: Yeah. It's, you know, they have a somewhat similar effect because Draymond is a little bit like a coach on the floor
0: and the, what he does for your
2: defense, not only as an individual defender, but the way he is moving everyone else on the floor, teaching everyone else on the floor, both in practice and in the game uh, has a big effect. And it's, you know, Draymond is so valuable in Golden State, more valuable than he would be on other teams. And, and I feel similarly about Spo in Miami, but it's, Still give me Spo. I mean, it's 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 a big deal what he's been able to do with Miami with the injuries, with the limited talent, um, sort of outkicking their coverage in every playoff series that I can remember.
0: So the the number that Spo comes in, 15 million, like we keep saying, we are seeing Contavius Caldwell Pope, Max Struess, Tyus Jones, Dorian Finney Smith, Doug McDermott, yeah. Wendell Carter Jr., Gary Harris, Josh Hart, Nas Reed, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, just below that. It's not really even close in right? my mind. This is honestly yeah. a bargain for the Heat, despite paying the most ever. Um, it does not impact NBA salary cap, so you could spend whatever on the coach and try and make the best coaching staff possible. The next person up in the coach ranks that's going to get a bag is Ty Lu at Good. the end of this season. Now, I know Ty Lu was asked about spolsters or was asked about something um, – and gave the answer, like, I'm not having as good a day as Spolstra is. Uh, <laughs> and he made a wink and a nod to it and like at, at an off time, and it was just so very clear that Ty Lu, who tried to get an extension done with the Clippers this offseason but couldn't come to an agreement and is now a, what they call, lame duck coach where he's going into his final year, he's going to get extended, and it's going to be pretty close to what this number is. So we are seeing coaches salaries kind of set a new market, which I think we're going to start seeing in the NFL too, with the Belichick, Pete Carroll, Vrabel, and all those guys who are available.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised that the Clippers weren't able to wrap that up in the off season because I, I, you know, the Clippers just signed uh, Kawhi to that extension, great extension. I, I know that he's the healthiest he's been in a while, but, you know, when the playoffs start, he's a top five player in the world, if, if not higher. Um, so it's a big deal that they locked him up, and that they're, um, and that they're just consistently willing to pay people. So I I know that Ballmer messed up that SGA trade, and we can get into that if you want. But they probably have not definitely don't get Kawhi if they don't make that trade. And at every turn, Ballmer has done. If if it was my organization, what I want to see from an owner, he's enthusiastic, he's overpaying, and he's empowering his players and coaches, and he's really set up almost you know, a little bit like the Miami of the West in that I can't think of a team beyond the two of them that's been a perennial contender the last five to ten years without actually winning a championship. Um, And the Clippers have had some crazy injury issues. You know, they've had some bad luck and series not go their way. And he's relentless. He says, I don't care. I love this team. I believe in this team. I'm going to keep paying. And, you know, I, I know there aren't as many Clipper fans nationwide because L.A. is a Lakers
0: town. But if he's my owner, I couldn't be more proud. He could literally buy the rest of the league. Um, let's quickly touch on the Kawhi extension before we move on. The yeah. importance of the Kawhi extension. You know, I love nerdy number salary cap angles. What's the impact of this on future moves for the team? Kawhi signs a deal that one. Here's the most important parts. It's three years, not four. So he left a total of like eight million dollars on the table versus what he would have been able to get by waiting until the offseason, signing the full free agency extension, or foregoing the player option and re-tagging it back on. But the key was he didn't add in the extra year that he was eligible for. So it's only three the player seasons. option that most players take there, yeah. Right, and the reason why when he was asked for it was he said into the press conference that He's going to be 35, and we'll see where his health is there. And that is so different from what we normally see, where a player wants to secure as many years as possible because of that same exact excuse of that, I don't know where my health is going to be, so I want to lock in the money now and make sure that I get that. Kawhi is taking the opposite approach of, I've made a ton of money, so I want to do what's a fair value contract. He's also... You know, I talk about this all the time, AV. The cap goes up, 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 up every year. So it makes these descending or these stabilized deals so much more valuable because when the contract either decreases or stays the same, it takes on a less percentage of the total salary cap. So Kawhi's is, I think it's a 50 million flat the full three years or it just doesn't increase or there's a potential that it decreases based on where the salary cap number comes in uh so one it's less years two it provides a lot of flexibility because it doesn't increase in on a percentage scale three it is sh- a shout from the moon to Paul George and James Harden about what their implied contracts are going to be now Paul George has a little bit more um leverage on the situation because there's going to be a few teams that might be interested in giving him a full max but it seems like he's very happy staying in Southern California and playing with Kawhi and you think he's going to end up in a similar situation you think James Harden is going to get his few years the way Ka- uh, Kawhi has talked about is saying we're all going to get it done this Clippers team is going to stay together Balmers not he's going to pay a ton for it but he's not going to be paying the maximum amount possible and they're going to have a little bit of wiggle room around the edges because of the new first apron, second apron, you can't sign a buyout guy if you're in the second apron. So if we look to like maybe Gordon Hayward this year after the deadline does does Charlotte buy him out and does he sign somewhere? Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks. Like these teams are not going to be eligible to to bring in Gordon Hayward on a buyout. That's one of the new changes team like the Clippers or the 76ers are going to be eligible. Hmm.
2: Interesting. It, you know, it does feel like this deal was made with PG Kawhi and a championship in mind. They all seem like they're on the same page there. though know, it hasn't worked out before, but I think that they feel like I do. Like it's been a lot of bad luck and injuries and that they really need to give themselves a chance to see this window through. I, I like that team a lot. And I think that's how Lou bringing it full circle is a big part of that. You you need a coach like him to to get that team to the next level, especially in the West and trying to deal with Djokovic. I feel like he's Joker. actually
0: kind of the perfect coach because his like uh pride and pride and glory or whatever his highest reputation is adjustments and finagling rotations and doing awkward things. So if you're playing this game where you don't always have the reliability of availability of your guys, then being able to make these rotational adjustments on the fly is so important. So, yeah, I agree. He's very important to their team and their success. Let's get over to this LeBron James and Brawny sports card, A.V. I will share a picture of it on the screen for anyone watching on the YouTube channel. Um, There it is. It is a picture of LeBron in his St. Vincent, St. Mary jersey his irish 23 with his signature and it is a picture of Bronny james in his usc jersey with his signature as well it is a card marked one of one austin what do you think it goes for and how much would you pay assuming you had the unlimited finances
2: i would not and i i don't mean to disrespect bron bron or Bronny. i would not pay one dollar for this card i i get that it's sick and i'm so happy let me do the positives first i'm happy that this dude is going to be able to play with his son and that there's such a unique opportunity here to have maybe not the card specifically but to have both them together i know that basketball cards are blowing up again and that they actually have some value now and people care about them i grew up collecting basketball cards thinking you know these are going to have some value one day and i i think of basketball cards like beanie babies uh, it's like i i don't need this thing and it's going to have no fucking value and you're going to have a bunch of old heads later in their life showing their grandkids like a shoebox with the cards being like look it's bronny's autograph and they're going to be like i don't care that bronny's manager may or may not have scribbled his name in sharpie on this card it it doesn't matter i like as an 11 year old kid when my grandma got me the princess diana beanie baby and was like this is going to have value someday i'm like I'm an 11 year old dude. I don't know what to do with this. This has no value to me, so I, I do not care about this card. I respect that you actually follow cards. You've done some fun giveaways um, and watched sort of Prism and other companies kind of uh, rejuvenate the space. I don't give a fuck about the card. I can't wait to see them play together. I'll talk to you about that all day. Don't care about the card.
0: I don't care about the card either. Uh, nice. <laughs> I don't view the cards as major collectibles. I'm I'm more confused by the what was it? nba top shop that did the digital cards and the replay highlights and then you would own the replay it's like i can NFTs, just baby
2: it's like <laughs> yeah i could just
0: go to youtube and watch this highlight yeah, from every camera you. angle I and mean, then i don't need to own it like if are the people who go and watch it on youtube paying me royalties for this no uh are they seeing anything different no in real life the card is this big like it is yep. tiny it is really yep. hard To present it into, I understand collectibles. I understand having an awesome signed jersey that you get framed and putting it on the wall. If it's sentimental, if it is there's X, Y, and Z behind it, this is very hard to kind of promote or collect or to really put a lot of emotion into it. At least for me, and I've seen some of these LeBron cards, Av go for millions, like 1.8 million was I think one of his last like rookie uh cards that had a signature it was a one of one there was a luca one that went for like nearly four million i will say this as we relate we know that that's absolutely nonsense and even if we had the money that's not how we would choose to spend it i'd buy a house next to the beach thank you very much um yeah exactly what i will say is we brought you brought up the whole collectibles thing my question to you You could probably sell that Princess Diana beanie baby, whatever, for a a pretty penny if it was in perfect condition.
2: My bet is $12, but keep going. okay?
0: (laughs) Alec, can you look that up on the side while we (laughs) have you in the back? Can you look up what a Princess Diana beanie baby in mint condition might be worth? And we'll bring you in in a sec. Um, The The... my point was, if you had saved the original iPhone and just kept one of the OG iPhones in its box, that thing is worth over a million dollars. This is – Like an unwrapped you, like, iPhone 1. This, so, so my question for you, is my question for you, AB, yeah, I, is, yeah. not, is not how much should the iPhone in its iPhone 1 box be worth. My question to you is, what the fuck is out and around today That I should go hoard a few mint condition versions of just in case these things are worth millions. Because if I had known that a brand new iPhone was going to be worth what it is, I would have gotten 10 of them and I would have had been already done retired and not doing this (laughs) pod with you today.
2: I, look, I, I think that's fair and it's a good question. And to you and and any listeners out there, you don't have to take any advice from me. I, I'm a weirdo, but do not, do not think of that at all. You know, if you're, if you're trying to figure out what you can buy and collect and be, and be worth and have value later, like don't get caught up in that at all. Cause you don't know what it is. You're going to overspend on things that have no value. You're going to be in the hole on things that even if your one thing ends up hitting, you took a loss on everything else. And it's not fun. Like I, to me, and again, to each their own, the like the physical merchandise and the signatures, the memorabilia, it's not fun. It's nothing. Like to me, what's fun is watching the Cavs win their first championship with my dad. And we like cry hugged. Like to me, what's fun is like the first NBA basketball game I ever went to was like LJ's four point play. These these memories have such incredible value. And for me at least, it is in no way tied to this physical memorabilia. Which doesn't mean anything. I mean, I'll take it a step further. An autograph doesn't mean anything. Why do we care that someone wrote their name? Like, I just – I can't Couldn't wrap my head life. around that.
0: Even wait, even if you life. go back to, like, the – oh, this – so there's a bar in the East Village called McSorley's Tavern, and they sell a dark ale and a pale and – a, and a light ale, not a pale ale, a dark ale and a, and a blonde ale, and two okay. beers on tap. That's all they serve. But the key is you could go into that bar and somewhere in that bar you could find George Washington's signature from like the seventeen late 1700s. Does that interest you at all as an activity? So exactly.
2: you're You're hooking me in a little bit more because there's an experiential aspect here, you know, I'm going in there. It feels like history. I'm with my friends, I'm drinking, I'm hanging out. I don't need you know, private ownership of, of this signature in order for to do it for me. And I feel like a big part of buying this memorabilia, is showing other people and saying, "Look at this incredibly valuable thing I have," and almost the thought that like I will sell this one day and it is an investment. I, it, investments are not fun, and and it's like it, sports memorabilia is not meant to be that. I you know I think of like. I think of these NBA players who like when we were young used to get like a letter from a kid fan being like, I love you. I watched your game. Can you please sign this card? And now these NBA players are getting those same letters, but they're being faked by 40 year olds just trying to like get signatures and listed online. And so that is everything that I don't like and I'm out.
0: I think we agree. Do we need to talk about the Wizards, the Wizards Pistons trade at all? The Wistons. The Wizards, yeah, the, the Wistons trade,
2: trade is. Is there a, a less consequential trade? Look, I'll feel bad if this is like a butterfly effect thing and it affects you know everything in the NBA for the next fifty years. But Bagley and and Livers going to to Washington for you know some some cap and Muscala and Gallinari. Uh, Muscala has been a part of more inconsequential trades in the NBA than maybe any player I've ever seen. So uh, look, I. going to be second. Gallinari Gallinari I feel bad for actually if there's one person I want to talk about in this situation it's Gallo and we can move on he was a perfect fit as a stretch 610 big man in the later years of his career with Boston got hurt and now he's going from Washington to Detroit
0: and this is not what
2: he had in mind
0: maybe a buyout candidate that joins a contender
2: maybe maybe but I thought he could actually have a resurgence and you know, make something of his career. Cause he, he was underrated in New York and in Denver. So I, I, I'm not a gallo hater. Um, I just yeah, it really I,
0: did suck when he got hurt before even playing a minute for Boston. Yeah,
2: exactly. I was like, this is finally a good fit for him. He has a chance to win. He can contribute there. seems like a good dude and it's over.
0: He would have been really interesting with like a huge lineup next to Porzingis, Tatum Brown, drew holiday and Gallinari. Like yeah, literally I, every one of them can shoot. It would have been very interesting. It's a good, it's actually, a good point.
2: Yeah. All right. So I, I see, I see the homie Alec has, uh, has put some research in the chat over here. So 43,000 for a princess Diana beanie baby, AKA, I'm going to have to go find that and and, and trade it for a Bitcoin because that feels like an upgrade to me. Um, and look, I'm, I'm seeing also, he said the the rookie LeBron rookie car with the rookie patch, 1.8 million at auction, more indicative of the wealth disparity than anything else. But, uh, yeah. This this is all pretty wild. It seems like a stressful way to invest that only super rich people do. And it's sort of fun and whatever. But Look, I it's not how I would end our podcast. If we had time for one more quick topic, you know I would want to go to the post game pressers with
0: the coach. Well, we do. We're going to do that real quick. Great. Okay. Uh, I will just say it's fucking sweet that we have Alec in the in the I know. know dude, this dropping times awesome. like this into our chat mid pod. Uh let's quickly do the post game rants and then we're going to bring Alec in for a few a few moments. We had Mike Brown, coach of the Kings, and Darko Rojankovic, coach of the uh, Toronto Raptors. I hope I'm saying, pronouncing his name correctly. I'll, I'll learn it and get it down. Seems like we're going to be talking about him for a while. This seems like a great coach. Both of them having hilarious post-game pressers. We have Mike Brown bringing out the clip on I the laptop of Darren Fox's lighthearted foul. And we have Darko Rajankovic going full box score explanations with the, uh, with the paper stat sheet explaining how ridiculous the free throw disparity was between the teams. AV anything special about either of these rants or have we just reached that time of the year where it's January blowout uh, coaches saying something in a post game to make it seem less of a big deal? I,
2: I all, all I all I want to say is that you know this isn't just for entertainment or the show of the NBA. this actually matters you know hi- historically, the NBA foul calls are so subjective. They're so differently called, and not only the regular season versus the postseason, but game to game based on who's reffing, how teams play, and historically, coaches going to bat for their stars, usually big men who are stars, and just get hacked and hacked and hacked. It is a big deal because it has an effect. Um, the way that people think, the reason that they find the NBA finds coaches is because the way that these coaches speak in the postgame presser has an effect on how the fans and the world think about the game. And the more that they think that it's potentially rigged and everyone wants the Lakers or this and that, They take notice of that and they do their best to adjust, even if they don't say that. And I've seen Cuban manipulate the league over the years and eat incredible fines to do so. And I'm positive he would tell you that that's worth it. And he thinks he's a genius for doing so. And I'm sort of on board with it. I've seen Shaq's coaches throughout the years go to bat for him and him actually get more foul calls because the last game, they then have to go look at the rant and the tape and watch him get hacked again and again. Darko was right for going in on... The league for for not just the free throw disparity, but the lopsided, unfair feeling of that Lakers game, which you never want in the NBA. So I, I think it's a big deal. I think it matters. And I also, my low-key takeaway at the end here, I think it's the most publicity that the Raptors have gotten since winning a championship in Kawhi leaving.
0: Wow. Yeah. Of like on-court basketball stuff. Because they've gotten, what like recent in the trade, they had the, the Knicks uh, lawsuit. Discrepancy problem, so all, all on three court of those basketball reason.
2: Yeah, all in core basketball reason. But I would say of the people who are sort of following a little on our such NBA or our fans, and you ask them to give you information about all three of those scenarios, they could tell you the most about Darko's rant. Uh, it went a little bit viral. He really went in. You know, I, I don't know if it's because he felt that strongly or because it's his first time sort of doing this and then he didn't he didn't realize got to, you got to earn that fine money <laughs> you, you got you got to earn it I, and I always think the team should be paying that fine money he he's going to bad for his team that has an effect the the owners whoever it is I don't know how these back channeling things yeah, work, I don't know but they should all works. be saying we're paying you to do literally that you did your job you're not taking a fine for this this is a team expense
0: i know that now goes to nba cares and all the nba charity stuff too all of the, the fine That's money it.
2: That's good. Look, and I I want to touch on Mike Brown quickly too because I think coming with the receipts and and with with the it's actual so funny, footage, it's it's so funny and it's dude, it's the right way to do it. I hope this is like it, it's a new president and coaches yeah. are now coming coming with the receipts, being like, look, you don't have to take my emotional or subjective opinion. Let's watch, let's watch yep. and see what we all think here because I, I know that coaches go the other way whenever. Your team gets an unfair call or something happens in your advantage and a coach doesn't want to admit it and say,
0: Yeah, you know, we shouldn't have Uh, got that call. They always say it's a forty-eight minute game, so that we can't come down to that one call. Bullshit.
2: It's not the one play. I I gotta go back and watch the footage. We gotta go watch play. Well, now we're all watching it together. Let's let's see what we all think about here.
0: Also, how much would we pay to watch an NBA coach break down tape like that? Like Some of the former coaches get paid millions by ESPN or whatever platform to do exactly that. Do have an active coach in real time in the moment of that game break it down? Last other coaches rant that I want to talk and then we're going to bring Alkin. in. Uh, the Steve Kerr post Kraus moment or just some of these Steve Kerr high chairing. How do you feel about his kind of social rants that he keeps going on? You know
2: the, the social rants. I'm I'm a, a fairly liberal fellow. The social rants that that tend to be, you know, pro humanity. Uh, he's he's big on gun control and things like that. I I think you're using your platform for good. You know, there's a time and a place, and sometimes it's ah, uh, it's it's maybe forced, but I think he has the right idea. Pop obviously is like the leader of this moment where you know there'll be a big thing going on in basketball and he'll literally shift the discussion and say basketball doesn't matter compared to children getting shot at their school. So I, right. I, I agree that that they do a good job on kind of these these bigger issues. I do think Steve Kerr is a little holier than thou sometimes. You know I think yeah. about I think about the, the Draymond Green and the Dylan Brooks stuff. And he's like he broke the code and then he won't speak about Draymond or his own team even a fraction of as intensely. And because he's someone who's such an effective communicator, he knows what he's doing when he's using words like broke the code. Like he's, I, 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 and I, so he, one of the reasons you bring this up is he supports, you know, Jerry and Thelma Krause and he thinks that this was really wrong of everyone to boo and blah, blah, blah. Uh, He doesn't know what it's like from the perspectives of a Bulls fan in this situation. He has to sort of support them there. Plus, the Bulls botch this whole thing from start to finish. It's the Bulls fault. I don't know what to
0: tell you, it's the Bulls fault all right i think that's a good way to hit all the topics that we had scheduled today let's bring in our producer alec Bluestein. alec first off 40 you you said one listed for 900k 43k talk to us about the pricing of what you found so it's just
1: i mean it's all over the place it looks like um basically i mean there's some listed on you know amazon ebay for like $30, $40 $30, $40 or whatever. So I think yeah. it was one of those uh, fads, you know, it was like a big trend at one point. Um, someone did pay, it looks like 500K for what they call a ghost edition, which is supposed to be one of the first, uh, you know, bears that were released to uh, <laughs> Princess insane. Diana. And I think people are just, you know, listening them for crazy prices, just yeah. for, you know, whatever reason. It's not actually going to sell. Um, right. One of those... Look. Crazy yeah. internet friends. If, if
2: either of you slang my Princess Diana Beanie baby, you can have half the money. So list it wherever you want. Uh, we'll ship it out. We'll do
0: whatever you need to do.
2: It has no fucking value. And ten year old boys don't want
0: uh stuffed teddy bears. So thanks, grandma. Any other thoughts on the topics that we hit today, Alec?
1: Loved uh love Darko uh in his Scotty Barnes just hyping him up in that rant. It was awesome. He was he was just all over that. I mean, yeah, the refs, the basketball point, I get that. But he was just uh that's crazy how much Scotty Barnes is gonna be the face of the league, right? Like, I mean he is really he is he is awesome. He's a great player to watch, he's a lot of fun. So that was good. But um you, you were Mike, you were talking about how, you know, maybe we'll be talking about Darko for a while. It seems like a coach he does. And I think that um I just when you guys were talking about uh how high Spo was paid, um I think coaches are underpaid in general and like yeah. uh, extensions like this. I, I don't think you can overpay a coach, you know, even other yeah. leagues in the NFL. There's no salary cap. So, yeah, you know, coaches are so impactful. Go overpay. I don't get the reluctance for some owners not to, given how wealthy they are. Um, you got a guy like Spo, you got a guy like Tyron Lue, Belichick's on the market, like give it up for them.
0: I would. Yeah, I completely agree. You see John Fox out there and Carolina needs a coach like go bring in a savvy old vet. These things should be obvious. Um, All right. I think that wraps us up for today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you both for your time and joining me today. We'll be back next week, either Sunday or Monday. If you have any topics that you want the Checkball crew to check in on, send them to me at FiddlesPicks, of course. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening. Make sure to sign up for the Fantasy Basketball International Discord and the fiddlespicks.com. I mean fiddlespicks.substack.com free gambling newsletter. I plug that stuff too much. I should shouldn't be messing it up. Thank you all. Peace out.